Welcome to the Russia Contingency, my new members-only podcast with War on the Rocks. My name is Michael Kaufman, and uh, today I have a good colleague and friend on the program. His name's Conrad Muzika. Conrad? Uh, hello, thank you for having me. Good to be back. Conrad, so I want to talk a little bit about our impressions uh, still from the trip we recently took to Ukraine. But this time I want to talk more specifically about Belarus and the situation in Belarus and how that may affect what's going on in Ukraine and, and prospects for the future. Coming back from this trip, you know, we, we both probably had our, our own inclinations as to how to read the intentions of the Belarusian government, its military, and the state of Russian force in Belarus. But do you want to talk a little bit about your insights and what you think you might have learned from this trip? I think when I when we came to Ukraine, uh, I had this notion in my head that the Ukrainian government is very much concerned about the developing situation in Belarus and that the Ukrainian military was preparing for you know some sort of contingency uh, plans should there be another attack uh, onto Ukraine from the Belarusian territory. And I think, you know, having spoken to you know, officials and uh, military commanders, it, it, my, my views were actually confirmed that, yes, they are very much concerned about what is going on in Belarus at the moment. So I was definitely a bit more skeptical going in, and the reason for that was, first, the, the Belarusian military forces, in my mind, don't add up to a whole lot in terms of offensive combat potential. The Russian force in Belarus are not that sizable, and a lot of it look like mobilized personnel sent to Belarus for training, right? And and those forces look look nowhere in terms of preparation to be able to conduct an offensive operation. But the real challenge for me was I was struggling to come up with an operational objective for uh, an attack from Belarus. A return to Kiev doesn't make much sense. To do what? Get stuck again and get annihilated down uh, fairly narrow ground lines of communication trying to make their way through marshes in the north doesn't sound like perspective uh, uh, a very prospective approach for a campaign especially given how the battle for kiev unfolded early on i think it's important to look at the context of within which the belarusian armed forces have been operating for the past few months because essentially what has happened in belarus is that since may Belarusian armed forces have not left the training ranges. I've been following Belarusian armed forces for quite a while, and it is clear to me that their exercise tempo has been the highest since the end of, of the Cold War. Um, so, that's the, so that's the bad news. Uh, the good news is, uh, as you mentioned, the Belarusian armed forces are actually quite undeveloped, uh, and they do not conduct large-scale exercises. They, they never conduct exercises above battalion level. So battalion level is max that, that they can actually con conduct. Uh, everything else, uh, they conduct jointly with Russia and the Zapad exercise series or, series or the Union Shield. Operationally, the, the Belarusian armed forces are, are, subordinated, are subordinated to the Western Military District Command, and they are and Belarusian armed forces are not expected to fight on on their own. So, 
Yes, there is. I mean, I agree with everything that you said about Belarusian armed forces, but I think my analysis is actually very reactive to, to the situation on the ground. It is in incredibly difficult to predict uh, what is going to happen, uh, but clearly, the the act from from my, from my point of view, the activity displayed by Belarusians over the past few months, uh, I think it it. It means more than just uh, an attempt to tie up Ukrainian military potential near the border. Yeah, so that's kind of the question. Is this all a fixing action to try to keep Ukrainian forces up north? And and you're thinking that Belarusian activity seems pretty, pretty out, unusual and out of cycle. I guess I'd have to agree. I think that while I'm skeptical still on the prospects of a Russian uh, attack from Belarus doesn't mean they won't try. But it's also possible that we're maybe thinking about this in the wrong way, or at least looking in the wrong place, because we're thinking about Kiev, the capital, and the Ukrainian vulnerability may not be the capital at all. It's quite large and pretty heavily defended. I mean, we were just there. The Ukrainian vulnerability may be something like the main nuclear power plant further up north that's not too far from the border, which actually supplies, supplies a lot of electricity to the country, especially the capital and most of, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of the critical infrastructure. I think that that might be uh, an area of strong concern, just given that the Russian campaign in recent weeks has clearly been one targeting the Ukrainian electricity grid and Ukrainian critical infrastructure heading into the winter. Yes, definitely that would be consistent with the, uh, the, the behavior that the Russian armed forces have been displaying over the past few weeks. Um, so it is very plausible that Russians and Belarusians can potentially aim for energy infrastructure in the northern parts of uh, U Ukraine. That said, I mean, the terrain between the border with Belarus and Ukraine is horrible for uh, for the conduct of any offensive operations. I'm, I mean, there are. It will be quite easy for Ukrainians to actually channel the movement of uh, Russian and Belarusian forces into specific directions and then engage them with art with artillery and anti-tank and so on and so forth. Secondly. Ukrainians have been preparing for this sort of con contingency and I'm pretty sure that maybe not the entire border but the big chunks of the border uh, between the two states are pretty heavily mined so should there be any military op, op coming from Belarus I think it's going to be even more difficult to conduct uh, than the, than the, 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 what they did in February Let's try to ask ourselves as analysts two, two annoying and nagging questions, right? The first one is, so do, we, do we think that an operation like this is in the offing, or are we still giving us fairly low probability odds? Like, do, yeah, I've been skeptical, but my, my concern has grown coming back from Ukraine. I've now had more to think on and more to consider based on what I've learned from the strip. I don't know where you are, Conrad. I still, um, I I would judge the probability to be low. Uh, I would say it is unlikely currently uh, that um, Russians can invade from the north again. Uh, but as I said, you know we are paying a very close attention to what is going on in Belarus, and one of the indicators I think that would show us that something is up is uh, would be joined 
Russian Belarusian uh, training exercises because we know for a fact that uh, a couple of months ago Belarusians changed their tactical numbers on their vehicles to correspond with uh, with Russian signs because pre previously uh, Belarusian vehicles only had numbers on the side of the vehicle and now they have proper tactical signs uh, and which are very similar actually to what Russians have. No. Does that mean a synchronization is currently going on? I don't yet know. The but the fact is that uh, Russians are, are deployed into training ranges. Uh, there are tents, there are camps that, ha that house uh, these Russian reservists mostly. Russians came to Ukraine without much heavy equipment, although there were reports in recent days and weeks that uh, some T-72B3s were sent to Belarus as well. So, as I stated, we, we will have to observe the situation very closely. Uh, in Belarus and 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 see what they are up to there exactly two other considerations one is the potential timeline and my impression is that we're, we're nowhere near something potentially happening from Belarus that this is not a matter of days or weeks but maybe months uh, I don't know what you think on this matter and the second one is you know there is a a very perspective uh, trajectory kind of in this war where if Ukraine slowly pushes Russian forces out of their foothold in Kherson, it's a great success, but then they end up being behind a somewhat defensible natural barrier, which is the Dnieper River. And then they have additional forces to potentially shift over or around to focus on, on some other axis of attack, yeah, the Russian military. When it comes to timeline, uh, I think what Russians have showed us so far is that they are perf perfectly capable of deploying unprepared and untrained fo forces into combat. So generally, I would also say it could be a matter of months, but at the same time, I would not at all be surprised if it was the matter of weeks, especially because, at least on the paper, you know, Russians and Belarusians trained quite a lot. Right, so some sort of interoperability levels, especially at the um, higher level, uh, is there. Uh, definitely, they would need to work on improving interoperability at the tactical le level. But again, having seen how Russians have been treating their reservists, I'm not necessarily sure whether Russians are concerned about interoperability at a tactical level. When it comes to you know future future plans with Ukraine gaining more or retaking or and liberating more ter territories, the f the front line sh shrinks, which which then increases Russia's force density. Right. So yeah. So Russians will have uh, more f forces to fight along a shorter fr fr front line, which which you know theoretically at least should impact its. Um, military operations, uh, but how this will translate into the situation in Belarus, I'm not quite sure. As, especially because we we don't know how many actually Russian forces will be deployed to Belarus ultimately. If it's going to be in low thousands or even up to ten thousand, I don't think that they they that they would be up to something up to something bad. But if the numbers keep increasing, uh, then obviously. I think we would need to look at different scenarios. Okay, that's fair. Well, look, 
for me, this is something that's probably going to develop over the next couple of months, and it's definitely worth tracking. I've gotten a better appreciation of the concerns regarding what role builders could play in this war. And I'm now thinking a bit harder about that northern front that I've largely been dismissive of as more of a kind of fixing action or a diversionary action uh, by Russian forces. But it was, it was really good to have you to have you here talk, talk to us because I know you focus on Belarus much more than I do, uh, in part by virtue of the fact that you're you know, Poland-based. So I appreciate your insights. Thank you very much. Apart from tracking military activities, we've also been tracking um, the speeches of, you know, Russia, of Belarusian uh, high command, to put it this way, and Lukashenko. And what we've noticed is that over the past couple of months, there was a very clear shift in how they shaped or tried to shape the narrative. Because initially, what Lukashenko said was that uh ukraine should sue for peace and belarus is ready to be a broker again between russia and ukraine and the west and so on and so forth but this was obviously dismissed by both the west and ukraine and then Lukashenko started saying that that russia actually had no choice but it had to intervene it was a preemptive attack on ukraine otherwise uh, ukrainian forces would attack uh Belarus and Russia had it be had had it not been for this uh, attack on in February, but now what they are saying is that Ukraine is a threat. N- Ukraine is again planning an attack on Belarus. Uh, Ukraine will organize or has already even organized provocations along the border. They are constantly inf- infiltrating the Belarus-Ukrainian border, and consequently. The Belarusian armed forces and its Russian partners have to be prepared to respond to any contingency uh, that may develop uh, along the border, essentially. So definitely the rhetoric has changed and it's becoming, I think, more belligerent. Conrad, I want to ask here, and this is probably just as much a comment as it is a question. To me, a military invasion of Ukraine by Belarus is about the only risky thing that Lukashenko could do to destabilize his own regime. And I don't know why he would choose to do that unless he had a, he had a gun pressed to his head, right? It's almost puzzling because he, in this regard, has typically been risk averse. He's much more concerned with regime survival, my point of view, and throwing the military and potentially losing the military in a war in Ukraine that's not really his war to me seems very uncharacteristic for Lukashenko. But I've, I have a personal bias because I've seen him historically as one of the savviest uh, dictators of the former Soviet Union. I always believed that no matter what happened, even if there was a nuclear war, that Lukashenko's regime would still be standing. You know, somehow Lukashenko would find a way to win and survive, no, no matter how the situation develops, just because he always does. But I know that's an overly deterministic argument. To be honest, the question whether Lukashenko's survival hinges on deployment of its forces into Ukraine. Uh, I, I, I don't think that. I mean, there is no actually there is no evidence I think whatsoever to suggest that this would happen. Let me ask you a question. Do you know how many high-ranking Belarusian military uh, officers changed sides after the uh, 2020 presidential elections? 
I mean, from what I understand, nobody changed sides. Exactly. None. I think he has a full support of the army and he has a full support of, of, of security services. And the, my concern is that many people in the West who think that if Belarus goes to war, then the regime will crumble, are, are actually mirror images. Because there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that, that this can potentially happen. Uh, the Belarusian society uh, is under his uh, shoe, to put, it, to, to put it bluntly. All right, well, I, it's a fair argument. I guess I'll keep my day job as a not a Belarus expert and, and stick to what I know. But, but that was worth asking because there's probably a lot of folks that have the same question in their minds, right? This seems... Uh, it seems like it would be incredibly reckless for Lukashenko, but it seems, my take from what you've said is that his regime is fairly consolidated, it's rather stable, and he's not necessarily going to risk it by engaging in a military incursion in support of Russia. Of course, of course. But to be absolutely honest, I find it much more difficult to actually understand uh, what Belarus is up to. They are much more difficult to read compared to what Russians do. I think when it comes to Maskarovka and deception uh, and the organization, uh, Belarusians are actually much better. Uh, compared to the Russians, uh, which obviously makes it more interesting, but also more complex to analyze.